If there was uh, one particular text uh, for the message this evening, it would be uh, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 17, uh, the first part, uh, which reads, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. This verse teaches the importance of submission to those who are in legitimate authority. Um, But submission uh, is a bit of a dirty word today, isn't it? Uh, And in some senses, not unreasonably so, uh, because many people, when they think of teachings about submission. They think of all the abuses of authority that exist throughout our society. Uh, Just think of the abuse that happens in schools, uh, in nursing homes, uh, in offices, uh, in our government, (laughs) Uh, tragically even in churches as well. Uh, Who of us haven't heard an example of someone who, in good faith, submitted to someone and they suffered as a result? Uh, Sadly, many people, uh, or should I say, for those in authority, it is a strong temptation to abuse authority. But, having said that, Uh, We must be careful not to allow uh, bad examples to cause us to throw the baby out with the bathwater. For example, the fact that some parents uh, are abusive does not mean that we should abolish parenting. Uh, Because some husbands are abusive does not mean that all husbands are. Uh, Because some governments are corrupt does not mean that we must ignore all of them. And the same reasoning can be applied in many other situations. Uh, The reality is submission to authority is essential if we're not to descend into an anarchy or to descend into a state that we read of in the book of Judges where it says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Uh, We need leaders. We need authority. We need structure. Uh, Otherwise, societies break down, uh, whether that's society in general or the individual uh, smaller societies that we are all a part of, including the church. The reality, again is that we can't help but submit to someone. We might like to think that we're a free thinker. We we might like to think that we are a free agent and no one's the boss of me. But it's not true. Someone always is. Uh, The question isn't, will you listen to authority? But which authority will you listen to? Uh, We all need authorities in our lives. And the church also 
needs people with authority. And the New Testament is very clear that God desires churches to be led by leaders, elders, pastors, those who are in authority in that church and to govern it according to the word of God. Um, but you might say, but, but why? Why does God bother with leaders? Surely Christ, he's our leader. He's our king. Uh, he's the great shepherd of the sheep. Why bother with lesser leaders? Why bother with under shepherds? Well, this passage uh, points us to at least three reasons why God gives leaders in the church. Uh, leaders who are under Christ, for sure. Nevertheless, lead, but leaders nonetheless. And he instructs those who are within the church Twice over in this passage, verse 7, remember those who rule over you. And verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. So what I'd like to do for the rest of our time really is look at those three reasons why God gives leaders into the church. And the first reason is because God knows that we need good living examples. Uh, you can see that implied at the end of verse 7. Uh, Hebrews writes, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. The Bible, of course, is full of good examples. It's got plenty of bad examples as well. Uh, the Bible, of course, tells us of Christ, who is the greatest example of all. But God knows that nothing can replace uh, the physical presence of a godly example. It's one thing to read words on a page. It's another thing to see it in the flesh. And also, when we read of examples in the past, when we read of Elijah, or we think of uh, Enoch, or Abraham, or David, or whoever, uh, whichever character of faith you want to mention in the Bible, the problem is we can always be tempted to say, oh, but it was different back then. Uh, they saw miracles. Uh, they had all these wonderful privileges that we don't have today, and so we lose the impact of their example. But we can't say the same when we see someone living in front of us who is living by faith. Uh, I heard a story uh, which illustrates the importance of uh, leadership from the front. Um, apparently, there's a general who was called uh, George C. Marshall, and he was given commands of the infantry school at Fort Benning, wherever that is. And he found the post when he got there to be in generally just a completely run-down condition. But rather than issue orders for specific improvements, he simply got out his paintbrushes, uh, his lawn equipment, etc., 
and he went to work on the, uh, the infantry school. And the others, officers and men, first on his block, then throughout the post, did the same thing. And Fort Benning was brightened up because the leader had led by example. Uh, he could have just told them this is what needs to happen, but he went down and did it. And that lived example spoke louder than any of his words could have. Uh, teaching alone is insufficient. It should be accompanied by action to match. And I trust that you can see that as I preach this, I, I feel my own um, weakness and failures in this regard, but I have to preach what the Bible says. And sadly, the Bible teaches that the opposite is true. Uh, a good example leads to good outcomes in those who follow, uh, but also a bad example has negative results. Now, apparently, there was once a study which discovered that uh, if both uh, a mother and a father attended church regularly, 72% of their children remained faithful. If it was just the dad who went faithfully, 55% remained faithful. If it was just the mum, only 15%. If neither attended regularly, only 6% remained faithful. Obviously, statistics can be bent this way and the other, and they're not gospel truth. But it illustrates a point. Children see the example of their parents. They see the good example... They also see the bad. What parent is there who hasn't, with a sinking feeling in their heart, seen themselves reflected in their children uh, in a negative way, not just positive? Uh, We see the power of a good and a bad example. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, and it's important to say this, that if a parent or a pastor or a leader or whoever they might be in a position of authority, uh, just because they're not living the way they should be living, that doesn't let off the followers. Uh, God still holds us all to account account as individuals. Um, Parents are fallible. Pastors are fallible. Uh, All people in positions of authority are fallible except for Christ himself. And so uh, no one should just unquestionably follow whatever their leader says or does. Again, another story of um, uh, the president, uh, I think I've forgotten his first name, um, Coolidge, President Coolidge. I I did know his first name once, but I've forgotten it. But apparently he he once invited some friends from Vermont to dine at the White House, and they were all terribly worried about their table manners So what they decided to do was just do everything that their host did. Uh, They decided just to copy him religiously, if you like, to make sure they didn't make any mistakes. And all went well until the coffee was served. Because Coolidge poured his into a saucer. And the guests dutifully did the same. The president then added sugar and cream. And so did the visitors. But then the president leaned over and placed his saucer on the floor for his cat. 
you see the dangers of just simply blindly following the example of those who are in authority. Uh, Paul himself said, didn't he? Be followers of me as I am follower of Christ. Uh, This book is our benchmark. Uh, What it teaches us of Christ is our benchmark. And sadly, leaders can fail. They can get the Bible wrong. They can not follow Christ as they should. And so we should test everything our leaders or everything they say or whatever they do by God's words. Now, incidentally, and this is um, bad sermon form here, because I'm just going to add a little aside, uh, which doesn't fit into the rest of the message very well, but I think it's important to add. Uh, It's noteworthy that whenever the Bible, or at least the New Testament, speaks of uh, leadership in the church, it always speaks of leaders, of elders, of multiple people in authority. There are great dangers when just one person has all the authority in a situation, whatever that situation might be. Evil is in every human heart, and we all have this desire and this lust for power. You've probably heard the phrase, absolute power, no, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts Absolutely. Uh, And so the Bible encourages multiple leaders, and sometimes that's not always possible, but it's always preferable. And uh, I feel the burden of that. And I'd appreciate prayer uh, for us as a church uh, that we would have uh, multiple be able to have multiple elders in this church because the benefits uh, are uh, almost incalculable. Um, To have multiple people who lead who are able to see things which other leaders can't, uh, to ease the burden of just one person. Uh, What often happens when one person is in uh, leadership in a place, uh, all the faults of that leader get reflected onto a congregation. It's important to have multiple leaders. When Jesus appointed apostles, he appointed 12. Uh, He sent them out two by two. Uh, Paul left Titus in Crete, um, and he was by himself. But one of the chief instructions, it's almost the first thing Paul writes in his letter to Titus, is appoint elders to be in positions of authority. Sometimes churches have only one leader, uh, but ideally a church will have many. Uh, That is uh, preferable. So we see here, that's the first um, reason why God gives leaders to the church, to set a good example, to be a living example to the sheep. Uh, But the passage goes on and gives us other reasons, at least implicitly. Look at verse 9. Hebrews writes, uh, Do not be carried away about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, 
not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. The second reason we need leaders, living leaders, is so that they can provide gracious instruction. Um, the reality is that although the same types of problems occur throughout history, they come in all sorts of different forms. Um, you notice what he would say there. He said, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Uh, there are all sorts of different families of falsehood. Uh, it would be incredibly difficult to list every last one of them. Now, the Bible teaches us the truth, but it's very hard to categorize every error. Um, and you simply can't teach how to respond in every situation in a book. The book would be far, far too big. Perhaps you think the Bible is big enough as it is. But imagine if it gave instructions for every single individual situation you could find yourself in. But what God has done instead is he's given us the truth. He has given us the testimony of Christ. And then he gives to the church leaders who are apt to teach who are able to apply God's word to the ever-changing situations that we find ourselves in. Uh, there seems to be at this time a, a strange doctrine concerning food. Uh, we don't know exactly what it was, but um, people in the church that this letter was written to seem to be getting obsessed uh, about matters of what to eat and what not to eat. Uh, likely it was something similar to the problem the Pharisees had in, in Christ's day while he was on earth. And you remember how uh, Christ rebuked the Pharisees because they were so obsessed with washings and uh, various rituals regarding foods. And Christ rebuked them and he said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out the mouth that defiles a man. And again, the church throughout history has had this temptation to lose sight of the main thing. And all sorts of external things, and I'm sure you could fill in the blanks yourselves, all sorts of external things threaten to take over from what truly matters. Christ himself and faith in him from the heart. And there's a perpetual danger that true faith gets substituted with mere religion. Now, if you want my definition of what makes faith different from religion, it's that faith is a matter of the heart, but religion so often is simply about the externals. Uh, it's a religion of pews and hymnals and altars and pulpits and steeples and rituals and liturgies and all these things, all this paraphernalia which comes about with church but if we let them we can keep those things and lose the heart lose christ himself just look at many of the churches around this land and you'll see just that empty religion empty formalism but christ has been lost and each new generation needs wholesome teaching of the gospel uh, it needs wise shepherds, wise leaders who will point people back again to Christ. 
The church needs uh, helpful, relevant instruction in every generation. Uh, If you want to know uh, how to look after a particular flock of sheep, the best person to ask is the shepherd, the one who knows them best. He knows what food they need most. And so God puts leaders in churches who can live with and know their flock so that they can feed them God's word in the appropriate ways. So that's the second reason why God gives leaders and why they should be heeded, uh, because they give uh, gracious instruction. Uh, But let's move on. Let's go to the third reason why God uh, gives human living leaders. And you'll see this one in verse 17. Uh, Hebrews writes, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give accounts. This, if you like, is the flip side of the coin of the last point. Uh, Sheep need healthy, good instruction, but they also need good, healthy warning. Um, The devil wears all sorts of different costumes and uh, he can seek to deceive the sheep in all sorts of different ways and uh, a sheep might recognize the devil in one disguise but be deceived by another and it's a shepherd's job to spot such danger perhaps you don't think of your life in this way but the bible makes very clear that our souls are in danger Uh, we are like sheep in danger of wolves Uh, let me read that verse again it says obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls Uh, there would be no need to watch out for our souls if there was no danger And yet, we can be so careless, can't we? Uh, We can sort of have such an easy come, easy go to the matters of God's word. Uh, We perhaps come to church on a Sunday, but it doesn't necessarily affect other areas of our life. Uh, We feel like we've done enough if we just tick the box on Sunday. But that's not the way the Bible says we should be. The Bible says that we should be earnest about the state of our souls. Um, All of us, I say, to some extent, are concerned about our bodies, aren't we? Uh, We try to keep more or less healthy. Uh, We don't run in the road. We look left and right. Uh, We take precautions in our lives to protect our bodies. If we didn't, we would be utterly foolish. And yet how few, it seems, take adequate precautions for their soul. Your body will die one day. However much you look after it, however much any precautions you take, it will sadly die. But your soul will live forever. How much more precautions should you take for that? And that's why God gives leaders to watch over the souls of the sheep. It's important how we live our lives. And a good pastor 
is one who is watching for any sheep who might be going astray. You might remember Christ's rebuke of the Pharisees again. And the Pharisees were the leaders in Israel. They were supposed to be the shepherds of the sheep. And yet they showed no concern for the tax collectors and for the prostitutes who were clearly lost sheep, wandering away from God. And yet the shepherds couldn't care less. But Christ, the good shepherd, he came and he came looking for the sheep that was lost because that is what a shepherd does. So we should look to those who lead us because God has given them to us to protect us. Uh, even when we hear things we don't like to hear, uh, I'm sure we've all uh, sat uh, in messages or heard things that we don't necessarily want to hear. But it's done in love if it comes from God's word. It is a sign of God's love and his protection. That's why God gives leaders to protect and watch the sheep. I want to close with one uh, final application of this passage. And uh, this one isn't a reason as such why God has given leaders, uh, but it's a reason why we should submit to them. Uh, Good leaders, godly leaders who God has given. And the reason we should listen to them is because they need encouragement too. Um, Shepherds are sheep as well, if I could put it that way. Uh, They are sheep under the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. And look what verse 17 says. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Most leaders in churches uh, aren't wolves seeking to fleece the sheep. Uh, They are genuinely trying to lead the church in a way that Christ would wish. Um, I'd like to say the vast majority of leaders are humbly walking with God and they are in that position because they feel that God has put them there and that they would be being disobedient if they didn't fulfill that calling. And yet it's often been the case, hasn't it, throughout history, and it probably will be the same until Christ returns, that for some reason, uh, those in authority are often the most despised. And I'm not quite sure why that is. I suspect it's because all of us, in, within us, deep within us perhaps, have a desire for power and authority. We all want things to be done our way, don't we? <laughs> Even if we don't want to be in a pulpit or if we don't want to be at the head in a, uh, in a, a chairing a meeting or whatever, we still want things to be done our way. We want people to listen to us. And so leaders make easy targets because it's very easy to take pot shots of them when you're not bearing the responsibility yourself. You know, that's not the way we should be with those in authority. Hebrews says we should be submissive. Be submissive. Uh, we should care for them. We should love them knowing that they are going to be held to a higher standard. Uh, listen to what James chapter 3 verse 1 says. 
Uh, James 3 verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. I do not like that verse. <laughs> I do not enjoy reading that verse. Uh, it teaches that if you spout off in a pulpit telling people what they should do, you'll be held to a higher standard, lest you yourself show yourself to be a hypocrite. Uh, that makes me feel very small. It makes me fearful if I'm genuinely honest. And so simple Christian love compels us to have care and to have sympathy for those who are in authority over us. Uh, we might get frustrated with the decisions they make, but don't fret, don't worry. Uh, God will more than deal with them in his time. Uh, if you've given your suggestions and your suggestions have been ignored, that's okay. God will hold leaders to a greater, stricter judgment. So as far as we can, we should seek to be good sheep. We should seek to help our leaders so that they can lead with joy and not with grief. But I can't close without just a brief comment on verse 8. Um, this could easily be a sermon of its own. Uh, but look at verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's a huge comfort to both shepherds and sheep. Uh, shepherds make mistakes. Sheep make mistakes. But Christ never does. Uh, even when a shepherd is unfaithful, Christ remains faithful. So I trust that is an encouragement to all of us and to myself to continue looking to him who is the great shepherd uh, and leader of the flock. And with those thoughts, let's turn to our final hymn, uh, 742. Uh, 742. Uh, through the night of doubt and sorrow, onward goes the pilgrim band, singing songs of expectation, marching to the promised land. Uh, there was a reason why I picked this particular hymn, but it's gone for me at the moment, so trust me as we sing it, that will become clear. But let's uh, sing now number 742.